Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keef to the City podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, New York Giants football is back this Sunday to uh, kick off the 2015 season. They'll open on Sunday night football against the Dallas Cowboys once again the same way they did uh, two seasons ago, and it's the third time in the last four seasons that they'll open the season against the Cowboys. Uh, they didn't have the, the best of luck the last two times uh, over the last three years, and hopefully that'll change on Sunday night. And here to talk Giants football with me as the season begins is Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. You can uh, check him out over there on BigBlueView.com. Ed, how's it going today? Good, Neil. How are you today? I- I'm doing well. I, I guess I-, I could say, well, I'm not doing so well. I think I'd be doing better if uh, Victor Cruz and John Visa were playing on Sunday night. Well, you know, there there is that, but I think we kind of uh, we kind of knew that that was coming, especially with Cruz. I mean, the guy the guy hasn't run now in something close to three weeks or so. And it's unfortunate with Cruz because he really had gotten to a point, you know, in in training camp where he looked really good. And now with this calf injury, um, you know, we saw with Nat Burhey the calf injury that just never went away. Uh, with this calf injury, who knows when he's going to be able to play? Yeah, I know, and I think that's the the terrible thing is that it's not it's not even the knee now; it's another separate injury. Um, and along those same lines, now they'll miss Beeson, who missed most of last season um, with injuries. And, and really, when you look at this defense and the role he played since coming over with the Panthers, it's not exactly how you'd like the defense to start the season, especially on the road in prime time against the divisional rival and opponent. No, it's not, but. You know, in reference to Beeson, I mean, I I hate to do this, (laughs) but I hate to be right about this, but I told you so. I knew, you know, I knew when he got hurt against Jacksonville, you know, I wrote a column at Big Blue View that basically, I mean, the only way I can put it is it basically, I I don't want to say it trashed Beeson, but it basically laid out there the, the idea that, that in my mind, you know, he's basically done as a productive NFL player. He simply is not a guy that the Giants can rely on anymore, even though, you know, they're trying to. Uh, but well, we've seen it now for two years in a row. I mean, in the last five seasons now, he's played 16 games one time. You know, and in a, a lot of those years, last year he played four games. A couple of those years he played one or two games. So, you know, Beeson is a guy that they're just going to have to move on without. If they get anything from him as a player this year, I think they have to look at that as a bonus. Um, Unfortunately, they don't have a real good backup plan at this point. They're going with uh, Yuwani Unga, who's a rookie, um, undrafted kid who was really impressive in the preseason, but you know, he's never played an NFL snap, so so who knows what's going to happen there. 
Well, at least with the defense, uh, you know, Perry Fuel's gone, Steve Spagnuolo's back, and uh, I feel like, a, you know, people get nostalgic over returns like this. It's happened, uh, you know, as a Yankees fan, it's happened a lot over the years when they bring players back, um, you know, whether it's Tino Martinez or Jeff Nelson or someone that helped you win in the past. So now Spagnuolo's back, and uh, it's really going to be hard for him to, to work this sort of magic he worked back in 07 and 08, um, the Super Bowl run, and then the next year when they were the one seed and blew it after the Plaxico situation. But what are you expecting out of him? I mean, is there really much he can do with this you know, already banged-up defensive unit? Well, it's interesting that you use the word magic because we talked to Spagnola early in the, uh, early in the spring, and the very first time that he spoke to the media you know he was asked about 07 and 08 and the nostalgia and, and all of that and and whether he could turn the clock back you know and and have that kind of a defense again and he said look he said I'm not a magician you know no coaches are magicians and he's right I mean he doesn't have Michael Strahan he doesn't have OCU Manora he doesn't have Antonio Pierce you know, he doesn't have Justin Tuck. So if you're expecting, you know, right out of the gate to see that great, you know, Super Bowl caliber defense, you know, then you're going to be disappointed. It's going to take time, you know, for Spagnola to figure out what he has, for guys to, to learn. And I mean, it may, it may never happen because we just don't know if some of these young guys are going to develop. You know, guys like uh, DeMontre Moore, guys like Landon Collins, guys like Unga, who's going to be forced to play the middle now, you know, guys like Devon Kennard. We just don't know. I mean, I think Spagnola was the right hire at the right time. It was pretty much the move that the Giants had to make. But whether we can expect to see that sort of, you know, the same sort of defense that we saw in his first time with the Giants, I just don't know. Well, you mentioned all the players he doesn't have, whether it's Strahan, Uminiora, Talk, Pierce, and he also doesn't have JPP. And I got excited when he, you know, came back up to New York to meet with the Giants and everyone, and they talked about, you know, if he was actually going to be in game shape. And there was sort of this hint, and maybe it was just imagination, that he would somehow play on Sunday night and, and be productive. But uh, he leaves, he goes back to Florida, and he's not going to be on the team right now. And not really for the foreseeable future. No one really has a timeline on this. And, uh, you know, I, I think that hurts more than anything right now is to not have uh, a guy you know who at his best is one of the premier pass rushers in the league. And, and, and sort of we're going into this season with a bunch of unknowns, un- unknowns up front on the defense. Oh, definitely. It was obvious. Tony Romo made some comments this week about Jason Pierre-Paul, and it was kind of obvious that Romo's glad he won't be seeing Jason Pierre-Paul this week. You know, that whole situation, it's sad, it's unfortunate. You know, no one no one can can be happy about what happened to the young man. You know, it's it's unfortunate that he had the accident he had, that he lost a finger. Um, you know, all of those things, you're concerned for the person first, obviously, you know, and, and we all hope that, that he's all right eventually, that he comes back, that he's a good player, uh, you know, that he's able to, to play again at that high level. But 
I just don't know at this point what, if anything, the Giants are going to get from Jason Pierre-Paul this season. It, it's impossible to know. There's no timetable on him coming back. There's there's no way to know, you know, what kind of shape he's going to be in when he does come back. You know, what impact losing a finger will have on his ability to rush the passer, on his ability to to anchor against the run. I mean, you know, for a defensive end, there's a lot of, you know, grabbing and holding and pulling of of, you know, 320-pound defensive or offensive tackles. So, we just don't know. It it's an unknown and I think uh in a different way, you know, than, than we talk about John Beeson, but the Giants have to plan on JPP really not being there for them at all. Well, up up on the offense uh, with the running back situation, Rashad Jennings comes over last year. Uh, it was was ultimately a disappointment. Uh, he, you know, he, I expected more out of him. He was injured for most of the season. Uh, he did have that huge game in Week Three in the win over the Texans with 176 yards, and really that was that was the height of his excellence last year. I guess uh, you want to include that uh, 91 yard game against Jacksonville, but for the rest of the season. He was uh, either 64 yards or less uh, for yards per game. And Andre Williams, after him in his rookie season, uh, did did fairly well. And now they bring in Shane Vereen, and they, they sort of, it, it seems like, don't really have a number one, or at least Ben McAdoo and Tom Coughlin haven't alluded to the fact that they have the number one guy. And I feel like it, it'll be Jennings to at least start this season, and then productivity and, and uh, health will determine what goes on from there. But it seems like the running game is, is at least more sound uh, than it was last year and certainly more than it was two years ago. Well, they have more options. You know, Shane Vereen brings them some things that they didn't have last year, especially in the passing game. You know, if you, one of the things that you did see in the preseason and in training camp you saw a lot more swing passes to to Vereen. Um, you saw screens that were effective. Uh, you saw a couple times in the preseason where he could take you know the quick check down pass and turn it into some positive yardage. Um, really, that's not really something that Andre Williams can do. And although Jennings can catch the ball and he's a good player, and he's a leader. He doesn't have the elusiveness or the quickness that Vereen does. I mean, between the three of them, they're all quality backs in their own way. I would agree with you that that none of them is a clear number one, but I do think that if the Giants get you know some decent play from their offensive line, and I think especially that left side with Eric Flowers, Justin Pugh, and Weston Richburg. I think that's a group they can run behind. Uh, in particular, also, if Jeff Schwartz, who you know has a history of being a really good run blocker, if he's able to play you know, to the level the Giants expected him to play at, they should be a really good run-blocking line, so they should be able to have some success there. Well, the one highlight of this team, or at least the thing you could get most excited about, is is the passing game. And uh, 
with Eli getting that extension now, that'll keep him with the Giants uh, for what looks to be the rest of his career. And I feel like if they needed to extend it after that, they would. But uh, it's good to have him locked up and that taken care of so we don't have to hear about it every week. And whether he's coming off a a strong or poor performance, uh, we don't have to hear about how that changes the financial situation for the Giants and their quarterback for the future. Uh, And then around him, you know, you've got Odell Beckham Jr., who's, uh, you know, could be possibly the top wide receiver in the league. He's at least in the conversation. Then you have Cruz, who's out, and followed by Randall, who um, is really a coin flip as to which Randall you'll get from week to week. But at least I can be excited about the passing game if the rest of the team is going to be full of question marks. I think you can, most definitely. I mean, it's a situation where it comes back to the thing that we've already talked about. It comes back to that offensive line. If that offensive line, you know, with the rookie at left tackle, a journeyman in Marshall Newhouse at right tackle, if that offensive line gives Eli Manning time, then the weapons that he has around him, you know, with the receivers that you mentioned, with Larry Donnell at tight end, with Shane Vereen, you know, as an option out of the backfield, the weapons he has around him to throw the ball to are as good as any in the league. So, you know, there's most definitely that to feel good about. As long as he's upright and has a chance to, to survey the field, uh, then, you know, he, he has a chance to, uh, to help the Giants have a, a really dynamic offense. I feel like there's a, at least some optimism coming from your voice about this offensive line, and it's making me feel better about them. Well, I do think, as I said, I do think that if Jeff Schwartz is healthy in particular, I think that it makes a difference for this offensive line. I think that then you have what I see as a really good run-blocking offensive line. Eric Flowers is going to struggle at times. You know, if you look at the Giants' history the last couple of years, They had Justin Pugh as a rookie start all 16 games at right tackle two years ago. And he's a good player, but, you know, he had his struggles. Weston Richburg had his struggles last year, you know, starting inside at guard. I mean, there's no reason to think that Flowers won't have difficulty at times. But Flowers is also an incredibly athletic 6'5", 330-pound player who can run block just because he's a massive athletic human being. And I think that that uh, run blocking really should be a strength of that line. If they can help him in the pass blocking area, then I think that uh, I think that this offense does have a chance to be really dynamic. I think this offense, you know, given any help from the defense and any help from special teams, the offense should be able to win a decent number of games all by itself. I think the one thing we know we don't have to worry about it is Odell Beckham Jr. And the Giants have historically been built around their defense. That's what's always led them. That's what got them their four Super Bowls. And now with the NFL shifting in the way of offense and, you know, the, the game changing to help the offense and especially receivers, uh, I mean, he he's as fun to watch as any player in the league, and he's just he goes against everything the Giants have ever known and ever been about. And uh, you know, I really I think just more than anything, I'm excited for Sunday night to tune in and, and to watch him play once again. Oh, I would agree with that. I think that most definitely, you know, it's a different era in the NFL. 
And, you know, Jerry Reese has made mention of it, you know, a bunch of times. I mean, Tom Coughlin, not that long ago, you know, Coughlin used to say that, you know, you had to get 17 to 20 points to have a chance to win in the NFL. And now, you know, Jerry Reese said the other day that, you know, you've got to get at least 28 points to even think about winning. And he's right. The way the NFL is now, the way the rules are now, you know, defenses can't shut offenses down. Offenses basically shut themselves down with mistakes or penalties. And what defenses live on is is creating a turnover once in a while. Um, But, you know, as far as Beckham, the only thing that I worry about with Odell Beckham at this point is the extracurricular stuff, the kind of stuff that we saw last year, you know, with the St. Louis Rams where the brawl erupted. Um, You know, I know that this week the Cowboys players, you know, were asked about the catch, and I know they're tired of it. I know that, you know, players around the league are probably, you know, experiencing a little Beckham fatigue. Um, I worry a little bit about, about, people just going after Beckham a little bit and him just actually surviving the the pounding he's going to (laughs) take. No, I agree. And I feel like he's, he has that target on him now. Not, not because he's like super flashy or the, or that he runs his mouth or anything like that, but just the, the idea that, you know, no one wants to get burned the way so many teams did by him last year, that it feels like there could potentially be some headhunting going on when it comes to him. Oh, without a doubt. And I mean, let's face it. I mean, these are professional athletes with egos. They don't like to get burned. They don't like to, you know, they don't want to be on highlight reels, you know, having guys make plays against them. You know, there's jealousy and and there's ego. And, and, you know, they're going to take their shots and make sure that Beckham knows that they're around. So I just hope that, that he can take the physical punishment and I hope that he also, you know, can handle it emotionally, you know, and, and not let it distract him from, you know, from, from being the great player that he can be. Well, Tom Cleveland starts his 12th season with the Giants. And uh, back in 07, he was on the hot seat. They won the Super Bowl, took him off the hot seat. He was on it for a few years. They won again in 11, took him off. And now coming off, uh, you know, back-to-back bad seasons, 13 and 19, if you go back even farther, 2012, when they blew a pretty fairly easy chance to just go on a run at the end of the year and win the division. Um, They've been a bad team now for pretty much the last two and a half seasons. And he's 69 years old now. There was talk last season that he would get fired. And the fact that, uh, you know, he he was able to survive that and survive a 6-10 and season, which was the worst giant season under him, uh, it pretty much means he can survive just about anything. But I feel like... With Giants ownership, uh, you know, mentioning last year that, you know, not making the playoffs is unacceptable. And to have a third, you know, straight losing season, a fourth season without the postseason, I feel like really, you know, whether there's a lot of injuries or not, whether the players underachieve or not, I just think Tom Coughlin, this team has to win at least 10 games and make the postseason for him to have a 13th season next year. Well, you know, I think that that you're probably right. I mean, you could make an argument, for example, if they go 9 and 7, for if they go 9 and 7 and miss the playoffs. Then you have an argument because then you can say, well, you know, they had a winning season. They've won Super Bowls going 9 and 7. 
you know, so you can make that argument. But the basic the basic deal is, as you said, they haven't made the playoffs in three years. He'll be 70 years old next year. At some point in time, you know, you have to make a change. You have to go in another direction. You have to try something new, you know, to shake this team out of, you know, whatever lethargy it's been in. You know, the, the sad part about that for me, if you read Big Blue View, I think people understand that I am still a believer in Tom Coughlin. I understand that he's not perfect. There are there are things about Coughlin. You know, there are certain decisions he's made where you shake your head sometimes and, and you you wonder sometimes if he's a little bit too loyal to veteran players and veteran coaches. But by and large, I think that this team went seven and nine and six and ten the last two years because they had seven and nine and six and ten talent. That's the the capability of the roster he was handed. So, you know, the way I view it is it's really not on Coughlin, but it will go on his record, and sooner or later, if it doesn't turn around, then, you know, he'll take the fall and they'll start over somewhere else. Well, I agree with you, and I'm a I'm a Coughlin supporter as well. And I think the thing that people forget when they talk about you know moving on or getting rid of him is is what is your option after him? I mean, there's always Bill Cowherd mentioned, but he hasn't coached now in a decade. And who's to say he would want to come here? Who's to say he'd even do a good job here? And I feel like it's one of those things with the grass is always greener, and Coughlin's in a in a position that uh, almost like Joe Torre was when he left the Yankees, and everyone thought that it was time to move on, and then quickly everyone realized that you know maybe things weren't as bad as they seemed. Well, what I think is that people will will understand how good Coughlin is once he's gone. And I think people will miss Coughlin once he's gone. Um, With all of that said, I think that we all understand that at some point in time, no matter how good people are, no matter, you know, how much winning they've done, at some point in time, everyone's time, you know, comes. Tom Landry's time came, you know, Chuck Knoll's time came. Everyone's time, you know, to, to move on arrives at some point. And at some point, you know, Giants ownership has to look at this and say, you know, we love Coughlin. You know, we we know what he's done for this franchise. But at some point, we just, you know, we have to start over. And, and I my gut is that, you know, that if this year doesn't turn out well, you know, that finally I think we've we've gotten to that point. Well, hopefully this year does turn out well. And if you look at pretty much every prediction has either the Cowboys or Eagles winning the division. And I think straight across the board, everyone has the Giants third and the Redskins fourth. But I look at this division as wide open. I don't think there's anything set in stone by uh, any means. And certainly in the NFL, things can change in a second. And uh, you look at this Giants team, and I feel like they should be a playoff team. I think they have the offense capable of going on a run to reach the postseason. And, uh, you know, how do you feel about this team with the uh, season just about to get underway? Well, I think that I think there's potential here. You know, as I said, I think that you don't have a great situation with the offensive line. You have questions there. 
you know, especially with uh, with Flowers being a rookie at left tackle. You have questions on defense, but you have possibilities there because you have some young players that, that the Giants are excited about. So it it comes down to whether or not some of these young players that they're going to have to trust, you know, will be able to step up and handle the responsibility that they're going to be given. Uh, you know, I see no reason why this team, with the offensive capability that it has, I see no reason why they shouldn't at least be in the hunt the last couple of weeks of the season. I agree. And, uh, you know, when we joked at the beginning of last season how, uh, you know, going back two years ago when Eli uh, <laughs> threw that first pass pick in Dallas to get things going uh, in what would it turn out to be an 0-6 start in the 2013 season, hopefully we just get a, a little better start than that on Sunday night in Dallas. Yeah, that, that, that would be good. Of course, you see, we're going back to uh... – you know, when when you're trying to throw a screen pass to a seventh-round pick in Darrell <laughs> Scott, who doesn't belong in the league, versus, you know, throwing a screen pass to, to Shane Vereen, who's one of the best pass-receiving backs in the league and, and has a Super Bowl ring, there's, there's a little bit of a difference. So, I mean, I feel better about the talent on this roster, you know, than I have the last couple of years. Yeah, but there, you know, the the question is, does it does it come together? You know, do they have? And, you know, do the young players step up? You know, can Victor Cruz get healthy and, and give them something? There, you know, there's there's possibilities, um, and, and we'll just see how it plays out. Well, how confident are you going into Sunday night? I feel like we're in for one of those, you know, thirty four, thirty one, thirty seven, thirty four type shootouts in Dallas. Well, it's difficult to be confident right now about Sunday night. I mean, on paper, the Cowboys are better than the Giants. The Giants, I mean, they seem like a mess right now with all the roster moves that they've had to make with with Victor Cruz being out, with the whole JPP situation and the Beeson situation. I I can't say that, that I'm confident, but... You know, but again, there's possibilities there. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if the Giants do walk into Dallas and pull the upset. All right, Ed, thanks for your time uh, coming on talking some Giants football. We'll have to do this throughout the season, and uh, hopefully, you know, next time we do this, things have gotten off to a better start than they have in the last couple of years. Thanks, Neil. Anytime.